What is going on, Cultivate family? Hope you're having an amazing week when you're listening to this wherever you are. This week, I am bringing you two episodes. This one today, and then one a little bit later in the week, which is a solo episode. In this episode, I'm talking to my good friend, Rianne Francis, who is another Leeds-based PT and also a hybrid athlete. She's currently training for an ultramarathon at the moment, which is huge. You might have even seen her on SAS Who Dares Wins on Channel 4 a few years ago. I'll link her series of SAS in the show notes if you want to check it out. Now, this episode was actually a nightmare to record. We had so many tech difficulties. We actually ended up recording the beginning of this podcast about four times. Now, as most of you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to everything I put out content-wise. And I always want to give you the highest quality audio and video. However, due to like a bunch of tech difficulties, the audio quality differs quite a lot in this episode compared to what you're probably used to. Now, I would absolutely not be a good coach if I didn't post this episode. Why? Because practicing imperfect action is a daily thing that I talk about with all of my Fuzz Culture Club people. And yes, the audio quality is not perfect, but the content and the value that Rianne gives us in this podcast is incredible and is well worth listening to, regardless of how good the audio quality is. We talk about her career spanning from being a dancer all the way up to being a PT. And we also talk about her coming out a little bit later in life due to being outed by someone close to her when she was at school. And I think a lot of us all really relate to her coming out story. It definitely resonated a lot with me. I came out super late as well. So I really hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Rianne Francis with a little bit of sketchy audio at times. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm a coach based at Graft House, grew up in Huddersfield and spent my childhood playing football, rugby, every single sport. I started coaching in 2016 and then from there basically I've just resulted in falling in love with coaching and everything to do with training, nutrition, mindset, big lover of coffee and carbs. Currently drinking, for anyone that can't see, Noco Focus Ramenade. I used to think that was called No Coco. Did you? <laughs> and someone at my gym was like, that's not what it's called. <laughs> I love the commitment of No Coco. I could just imagine you saying like, oh, I think I might get a No Coco. And someone's like, you mean Noco? It's <laughs> just like a really easy way to get snubbed in a CrossFit gym. <laughs> That is so true. No cocoa. I think I might, I'm going to start calling it no cocoa. Thank see you. How far I get. <laughs> yeah, lover of coffee and carbs, being outdoors, all that jazz. Anything to do with being active. What is your favourite carb? Serene. But bagel is equal, equally up there, but cinnamon and raisin. But cereal wise, cocoa pops. A typical PT. What's your coffee order of um, choice? My go to. Ooh. Oat milk cortado. Oh, I nice. do. I do like an oat milk flat white, so, but I feel like sometimes I just want a shorter one. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, lattes too. And um, before we start, you've got your little angel, Rudy, sat on the couch next yes. to you, who's very. I've heard some very questionable stories about him before we press record <laughs> on this podcast, but he's adorable. He's just got his eyes closed, and you're just chilling, aren't you, he's, pal? He's just so dreamy, isn't it? To be fair, I think the drive over wiped him out a little bit because he wasn't sleeping. He was like, "What's this? What's that?" But yeah, he's a good puppy. He's just gone. Well, it'll be six months in about five days. Aubrey's five in October, and I just I don't know where that time has gone. Uh, it disappears. It disappears. Anyways, what 
style of training do you do right now? Because I know you have done so many different things in the past. What are we looking like now? So at the moment, it's hybrid training. And hybrid, it's taken a big boom, as you'll know, because you're, you're training for high rocks at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, and I pretty much do that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So the high rocks, to be fair, has been a big contributor in hybrid training, like as well as CrossFit as well. It's, it's had a big sort of boom. Hybrid essentially is just making sure that you are as strong as possible whilst being as fit as possible and being able to sort of be ready enough to go for any event within like a three month period. That is essentially what hybrid is. So at the moment I'm doing a strength block. I've just started reintroducing running. I need to do it today actually, 30 minute in the seat. Zone two, so we'll see how that goes on. How's your high rock stuff going? I've got an Achilles injury and I'm rehabbing ah. it and I've been advised not to run at 12 weeks unless I'm testing like my hops and my plyo work first. Yeah. So I did test my little hops like a week ago and have pretty bad pain so I've left it, I've left it about 10 days Yeah. and then I'm gonna test it again today and then if I go 48 hours with no pain it means I could go up a level. Ah, okay. So I'm hoping to be running again before the end of September but yeah. that's a best case scenario. I've never been so determined with any physio I've ever done because the thought of not being able to run because I actually really enjoy it kind yeah. of hurts. Yeah, um, yeah. But so far it's going good. I did a little test day with like my sleds the other day. Yeah. What I realised is that every sled, no matter how much it tells you the starting weight is, it's just completely different. So the high rocks weight in one of my gyms was impossible and then in another gym it felt easy. So I'm just trying out lots of different yeah. sleds. Yeah. <laughs> it's mental like the turf, like the one that we've got here, so you when you go down it's smooth as hell but you go against the grain coming back up so you get to a point where it's like you're in mud. Like stroking a cat. Yes. Like, no. That's <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah, you <laughs> like the smooth way, but if you go back the same way, the cat's like, "What are you doing?" Like, that's what I'm going to call the podcast. Joking <laughs> the cat. I'm not going to be able to think of a sled push in any other form. No, I'm not sure in it, but yeah, that's that's my training for tonight. Is a bit of a test. Everything apart from running to see where I am before I start coaching. With I've just got someone doing my program for me for accountability, yeah. and so I'm not biased to it. Yes, but hybrid training, yeah, I'm all about it. What was like your absolute day one entry point to like fitness or sports where did it where did you start so for sports it started when I was quite young I I was playing football literally I've just started playing football again actually which is awesome but I started playing football when I was quite young um, and at the time there wasn't many girls teams so watching the world cup recently like that's the thing that's made me want to get back into it again which is really cool but in terms of that sort of timeline. I think I went from playing football, I took a break, which is so stupid because the more that I think back to it now, the reason why, well, I say take, take a break, I actually stopped playing out of fear. This comment that someone made to me just like stuck in my brain of, I think I must've been around 12, maybe 13. I think 12 actually, because we're talking about becoming a teenager. And this person was like, oh, apparently if you play football until you're a teenager, you, you turn into a lesbian. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, look at me now. <laughs> but I remember because I was already carrying so much paranoia and shame about my sexuality because I was so confused back then as well. At the time, I wasn't 100% sure, but I knew that I wasn't entirely straight. So that was just like, right, okay, well, I need to do anything and everything not to expose that. So I stopped playing football, which I regret. So I'm picking it back up now feels like I'm like claiming back my childhood in some way. I, I have a few people on my team that have done exactly the same thing. Yeah. They've they've 
felt like they've found themselves and they've now started all of the stuff that they love doing, all the sports that they felt super uncomfortable playing when they were a kid. Yeah. And like the reclaiming of it is like amazing. Yeah. Like, um, I think it was for me like the swimming, like swimming post top surgery and stuff like that. When you like get scared of something or you detract from it for like so long, it's like amazing when you get to do it. Yeah, again. yeah. That's sick. Did the World Cup inspire that they're getting back into football a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I was already umming and ironing it a little bit before, but then I'm just watching it, I was just like, this is just so cool. I was just like, this is a huge inspiration. And it's so good to see that it's gotten to where it is now. And it's still got, for women's football, so far to go. But it's just seeing the stadiums, the fact that so many people was watching it, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get back into it. Yeah, that's awesome. One of one of my people recently went to go see a game in Canada and there's a non-binary player that plays for the women's team called Quinn. But they're obviously one of the few non-binary players. Yeah. And like, they were like, even seeing someone so much younger than me out there doing football has made me feel incredible. Yeah. And they then got to meet them and it was just like, that's super wholesome and it reminded me of when skateboarding came to the Olympics the other year and like people were seeing loads of girls, there was some non-binary skaters as well doing skating and I'm like, how cool would that have been yeah. <laughs> if we'd have that sick. So when you start playing football, what point did you feel comfortable to actually come out? Did You said you hid it for a bit and then you stopped playing football. Was there a point where you're like, I need to do something? Yeah, to be fair, so throughout high school, I did, I attempted to come out. So I remember, I basically fell in love with one of my best friends at the time at high school and then me being deluded, just thought, well, okay, well, I'm just gonna tell her. And then, you know, my fantasy of this play now in my head is gonna, you know, work out. Anyway, it didn't. She outed me in front of the entire year <laughs> mass corridor. But then my dad found out from someone that he knew that went to the school as well. And I think I underestimated just how much this comment impacted me because when I got back, he was like, oh, around there's a rumor going around that you're gay, is it true? And I was like, yes. And I was like petrified, like, you know, you get that pit in your stomach and you're like, ooh, I'm gonna be sick. But I was like, you know, there's, there's no denying it now. And then his response to that was like, a very disappointed face and like a bit of a I'd prefer it if you were straight comment and I was like wow and within two weeks I had a boyfriend and I think just that moment there delayed me coming out until I was in my early 20s and the environment that I grew up in there was just loads of comments all the time about being gay or homosexual, lesbian, whatever, as being a derogatory thing so I internalised that and took that as well I can't be myself because it's obviously wrong to be myself yeah and it's definitely the same at school like the insult oh. you're really gay or like the insult yeah. you're a lesbian and stuff like that it's i want to say it's gotten better right but i was on a dog walk and there was loads of graffiti where i live and it was like so and so is really gay or and i was just like no so i felt bad. like we got somewhere yeah it's such a shame because I've, I, I hear stories of some people's siblings being really open about it but then you hear it or things like that come on man yeah and I, I suppose it largely depends what environment you're born into a lot of the time and i know for me it was you've just had a really bad time with men so you're probably not bisexual oh, really really you're just, yeah you've just had a really bad time with men and like, as someone who is now pretty comfortably pansexual, and yes, I have had a bad time with men, but it yes. definitely was not that. Uh, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? So when was the point where you actually felt comfortable 
as a queer person? Yes, so that was actually when I got to, I moved to Leeds, so I started training to be a professional dancer at the Northern School of Contemporary Dance, which is in Chapel Town. And I even had a boyfriend for the first one to two years that I was there. But as soon as I got there, you just I felt like I was in a bubble when I was back home growing up. And then when I got exposed to different people from different countries, backgrounds and stuff, and just seeing how much more open-minded people were, I was like, oh my God. And then my best friend, still to this day, that I met at Northern, kept on making comments, you're totally a lesbian. Like, just like, he's also gay. So it's the kind of stick you give each other. And I was in denial about it, but then, over time I don't know it was just the knowledge or the realisation sorry of knowing that the environment that I was in was very narrow-minded and very limited in some ways and then being exposed to so many more people that were speaking about it in such a positive way it gave me the confidence to be like you know what this is just who I am so I'm just gonna accept it and just fully go for it so that's when I I came out when I I think I'd just finished university actually so it did take me the entire time whilst I was studying there but over time I was gradually getting more comfortable with it. Yeah, I think when you've like spent such a big part of your life thinking that you're like wrong, you're mm-hmm. the wrong thing, and then you slowly realise that actually I'm not the wrong thing, I'm fine. Yes. I think there's maybe still a lot of denial, I don't know if there was for me. I think for me I was always like, oh I've never struggled with my sexuality, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> like how did I ever think that? It's wild, but I think maybe it was ingrained in me that it was so wrong that I couldn't even go there. Yeah, for sure. I think because the fact that the people that make those comments, they say it with such conviction, and when you're at an impressionable age, you just internalise it in a way that makes you think that you are the problem. Yeah. So that when you're exposed to different people that speak about it in a different way, you're like, oh, wow, so maybe I'm not the problem. So after you went to dance school, what made you want to go from that to become like the coach you are now and do what you do? now. I remember the back end of my years training to be a dancer, the principal plus many of the people in my year were just like, oh, I thought about becoming a PT. And back then I was, it used to offend me only because at that time I was slogging my guts out to get a first class degree and to make it as a dancer. So I was like, what do you mean? Can you not see me as a dancer? What do you mean? Um, but then actually the more they sort of said it and the more I thought about it, I was like, maybe there is something to it. So it fell pretty perfectly because the back end of my degree, I realised that being a dancer in terms of a lifestyle wasn't for me. But the thing that I loved about the training was I felt like an athlete because it was so brutal, the training there. It's one of only three conservatoires in the UK. You train from 7.30 in the morning until sometimes 9 in the evening, depending if you've got rehearsal periods and stuff like that. Um, And I think I fell in love with more of that than the actual performing itself. And then I started working for Pure Gym in the head office at first, and then had a gateway through to get my PT qualification, and then made my way into the gym. And then once I started it, I just... That feeling of helping people change their lives, it's so fulfilling. And you're just like, how can I walk away from something that has such a positive impact on other people and brings me so much fulfillment? So just kept going and here I am. Amazing. It's interesting that everybody saw it in you before you actually like got there yourself, but I suppose if you were like so tunnel vision. Is there any like elements from your dance training that you still like think about or anything that you still draw on with the training you do now? Lowe's to be fair, and I think I speak about this with my best friend all the time because he's very similar, because he still works in head office in Pure Gym, but he still has the exact 
same traits as me and the ability to work hard the ability to understand your body so much because you spend every day just moving around and stuff like that there's so many elements and I guess it sounds very bizarre but the ability to read people in terms of having a look at somebody how they move because you spend so much time understanding yourself but you do work a lot with other people when you're dancing and just knowing how they're going to move where they're going to move you just pick up on how to read someone's movement very quickly but I think also as well just like falling in love with the process or something because that was the biggest thing for me of even though you've got like a benchmark at the end of each year you do like an end of year performance and stuff like that but the daily process of turning up training pushing yourself as hard as you can recovering rinse repeat that gets you to the end goal so that was the biggest thing for me because that is exactly what fitness is even though people might want to lose weight get strong put on muscle you have to fall in love with the unglamorous boring stuff the non-sexy parts of it that yes. are like the sexiest parts really yeah exactly yeah. exactly that comes up a lot on it it's not sexy but it works yeah for sure <laughs> so you were telling me about how you haven't necessarily faced much adversity in your time as a queer coach but you mm. have been maybe would you say is the right word like selective about what of your personal stuff you put out there on your like PT social media profiles yeah for sure and I think you know just over time that's come from from the area that I grew up in and being exposed to just constant comments insinuating that being gay is wrong that's for for many many years that sort of led to me sort of almost like hiding myself and the fact that you know I did come out 23 24 this still I think that this is the thing that frustrates me as well that hesitation to you know really sort of step into sort of owning the fact that I am gay and not really being afraid of that like it's not really so much an issue now over the past one or two years but it definitely has been a subconscious thing in the way that I sort of portray myself in social media what I speak about or you know me sort of having this this barrier which is probably why a lot of people they could probably definitely tell that I'm gay <laughs> when, when they meet me you know like and they see me and stuff but initially like, like I've definitely to some degree hidden that out of the fear of being trolled online because conflict for me for many many years was just a huge thing like I could do absolutely everything to avoid it and it's something that over the past couple of years I'm getting much better at now but you know I I feel like I'm starting to feel much more comfortable about openly sort of portraying that I I very much am gay and you know if at least there's some trolling whatever but so far I feel like the reason as to why I probably haven't is because I haven't you know really pushed push that in, in the online space if that makes sense yeah I, like and it, and it makes sense because I think what I've learned in the obviously like last 18 months of doing this is that I can upload like TikTok or Reel that maybe helps someone with a fitness thing or like a nutrition thing but then when I actually talk about the things that matter most to me advocate for trans rights or queer people or I talk about issues with accessibility in the fitness space yeah immediately I am trolled and I've basically learned that the content I put out dictates how much I am trolled and it's at a point where I know when I put something out that it's probably gonna get me torn to pieces but at one point I've actually thought about hiring a virtual assistant a VA Ah. to log into my social accounts in yeah. the morning yeah. and just delete any troll comments. However, 
if I'm working, if I'm uploading, I'm going to see them coming and I know they exist. I kind of learned that I can't escape it. I think it's hard to do it. And there is definitely some weeks I subconsciously don't post things because maybe I'm feeling a bit more fragile or vulnerable or I haven't had a great amount of sleep or like I'm a bit hormonal or something like that. I feel more sensitive and vulnerable to the comments. So there's weeks when I'm like, mate, I'm hard as nails, come at me nothing and then there's weeks where I'm like oh my god someone on the internet has called me a gay a gay dumpling or something that was one that I had recently and and I actually think gay dumpling is quite sweet it is Um, (laughs) but maybe maybe not coming from some like troll American like right wing man you know no no it's like it, it it is hard to um to find the balance I think it's really cool that you're thinking about putting more of yourself out there. And I think loads of people will appreciate that. I really like this post that you do on a Sunday talking yeah. about your personal journey. They're my absolute favorite. It's just really nice hearing another person like talk about their own training journey and what they're going through. And I think yeah. we don't actually see that much of that from coaches. So it's really refreshing to see that. Sure. Sure. Thanks, man. And I think that the biggest sort of motivator for me doing that as well was because I I did start to realise and be much more aware of it, of, like, why am I hiding parts of my life from being online? And also, like, why am I hiding elements of myself from being online? And it's that fear of, for as long as I can remember, because for years I was a huge people pleaser, had huge anxiety about conflict, had huge anxiety about disagreeing with other people, and that naturally led to this very professional um, sort of, like, you know, to the point, let's go sort of thing, like, but it's so bizarre because for my one-to-one clients, it's not like that at all. Like, don't get me wrong, like, if they're the sort of client where they respond really well to sort of me being like, come on, let's go, like, very direct, I'll be like that. But the level of energy and banter we have within sessions and just sort of how much they know about me, my personal life, and how much of an advocate they are for the fact that I'm gay and that I'm just doing a difference with my life, like, it's... I don't hide anything back, but it's just in the online space. And I start to be aware of that. And I think one thing that really got me as well is that from that from that post that you put up about how vulnerable you felt and obviously how you felt that week within the trolling, I was like, do you know what? I was just like, there's something here about the fact that even though you probably felt awful at some points because of all that trolling, like there's a level of like liberation of being totally authentic. And if people don't like that, that, that's their problem. But it doesn't take away from the fact that when you've got it in volume sometimes, it's very challenging to sort of back through. But I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to do more posts, like the struggles that I'm going through. You're like, you feel incredibly vulnerable. And I think it was just stepping into that for me and seeing you do it as well was a huge inspiration for me. So kudos to you, mate, for inspiring me to, to do that on my journey as well. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. We see like all these online coaches or fitness industry people trying to be like the coolest. And what I've learned from being in the industry for 18 months is that like I am a massive goofball. And that is one of the reasons why people probably like working with me because I'm not posting pictures on a boat in Dubai and posting screenshots of my bank balance. I mean, if I did, anyone would only be disappointed. But like, do you know (laughs) what I mean? Um, so I think there is a lot to be said for being authentic and I think especially from like you know a queer community point of view we are all going through different flavors of struggles in relation to like LGBT plus rights and we are very much all in that together 
yeah. what you said about when those trolls come in there is something like almost liberating on being like well you're you're being a jerk and you're trolling me from a, an account with no profile picture and no followers yeah but i'm here completely myself and i am loved for who i am and yeah. that was so hard for me to even think or say to myself but i'd say after years and years of all of that self-work and obviously being able to live authentically as like a non-binary person and like being able to be happy in my body and stuff like that it's now not so hard to say anymore I'm like cool you want me to die but I'm loved and like no one that matters to me thinks that whereas if I had been doing this five years ago if someone had been telling me that I would have been like yeah you're right you're right do you know what I mean so it's um Maybe it's a bit of age, maybe it's experience, maybe it's doing the work, but it is nice on the days when I do feel hard as nails to be like, that doesn't affect me. But I'd be lying if I said that some of them, some of them land unpleasantly. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like that human nature, because none of us, none of us want to be disliked, or obviously none of us want to come across comments where someone's saying, I want you to die. Like it's, I think it's bizarre because it's very easy for someone on the outside when they're sort of, you know, maybe watching all this trolling gone and stuff like that. For people that don't experience that, it's probably super easy for them to say, just forget about it, just brush it off. But like you say, when you are your most authentic self, that's when you're the most vulnerable. But it's super hard to get that balance of like vulnerability and just own it and also not let the outsiders sort of take away from that without at some point letting those trolls sink a little bit too deeply underneath the skin yeah. and it's like a it's just bizarre to think that we are in a world now where you just speaking your truth leads to other people sort of saying things or acting in a certain way which can make you feel absolutely awful that kind of really leads us on nicely to what i want to ask you about next which is how we can use fitness in our training as a space to work through any internal battles that yeah for sure and do you know what for the most part of my own personal journey in the gym and in the fitness space it's been the one thing that's kept me going because there's been there's been some moments when i felt super low like really dark times and here's the thing like normally if someone said something and it's kind of sitting on you i, I actually remember actually so this kind of leads back to when i was a teenager and the sort of area that i grew up in and at one point, I remember one of my best friends back at high school, I thought I'd fallen in love with this person. And then I told my other best friend, you need to tell her how I feel. She basically outed me. And then word got back to my dad before I even was, you know, going to tell anybody in my family. Um, and then when I got back home, I, I just remember it so vividly because it had like an emotional imprint and it kind of influenced me in a way that, both good and bad long story short i get back home and it's ironing something in his bedroom and it's like oh there's a rumor going around that you're gay is it true i didn't really know what to say and i was like i just froze for a second like that you just feel your that visceral feeling in your body and i was like yeah and then he kind of had this reaction of disappointment and also like it was an inconvenience i remember him like rubbing his chin and going oh well and i can't in between that's a little bit fuzzy but the words that he said after that was like, okay, well, I prefer it if you were straight. And that's all I remember from that conversation. So then this is where it leads into the sort of, you know, being late late in life to come out um, as a gay woman. But 
I remember for a very large period of time, when I was in the gym, I was basically working through that that feeling of shame, disappointment that I felt that my, my dad had towards me and just feeling lost. And nine times out of 10, I'd always walk into the gym feeling like perplexed, confused, angry, stressed. Um, and then once I trained, that was like, the world feels a little bit better. And I think just for so long, it just became a way of me sort of processing and just kind of like compartmentalizing people's thoughts and things that were happening. And I think over time, like it just became my go-to to de-stress and to just decompress, which helped me manage all the internal battles that I had. And I think for anyone that is going through anything super tough mentally and in that regards, like the gym and the fitness space, and especially if you can get across, get into a community like yourself, like like you run, sorry, it's amazing because you have that instant connection. Because if I had access to a community like that that supported LGBT communities back then, like I would have felt so much more like, oh, because I remember when I joined rugby, there were so many of the gay women and it was just a normal thing to embrace. And I remember thinking, I can be myself. So the, the gym was a good way for me to sort of de-stress and decompress. But I think the, the biggest thing that the fitness space can also do, especially now, is provide a community where you feel safe, you can speak to other people, and you can also just have that time and space for yourself to just sort of bring yourself back to a neutral level so that you don't feel as emotionally volatile because of the external world. Because there's always going to be things that are outside of your control, like trolling, what other people think about you. You can't change that, but you can change how you perceive yourself. And I think the process of you working out in the gym and doing something that's difficult every other day just gives you like another block of confidence within yourself that you've seen something through and that you can actually pull through difficult moments. And, you know, I think back to my biggest moments of when I felt super, super low, I've always felt like the problems have kind of like solved themselves in my head once the workout is done. Um, so I think <laughs> that's a huge thing in terms of like how fitness can help you if you are having internal battles. I absolutely agree. When I first started going to the gym and trying to get into a bit of a routine, I was doing it from a place of like diet culture. And then it all of a sudden just realized it wasn't that. And I was just yeah. in there with my headphones lifting heavy stuff. And yeah. that was so much more valuable than any other things in my head. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, I can't imagine life without it at all yeah. but I know there's going to be people listening to this that absolutely love the idea of going into a fitness space and putting their headphones on battling some internal demons and lifting some weights as not as a form of therapy because it's not therapy that's what therapy is for but yeah. you know as a bit of a form of release and escape and as a way to I don't know rationalize and the way I've always thought about it was when I got put on antidepressants when I was about 18, the doctor said to me, it's like you've got a bunch of filing cabinets in your head and they're an absolute mess. And these pills are going to put all the stuff back in the filing cabinets for you. And yeah. 
that kind of analogy has stuck with me forever and it applies to a lot of things. And the gym to me is where I go to tidy my filing cabinet um, yeah. when it feels a bit muddled. Um, and I also go because it makes me feel great and because I love all the styles of training that I do and stuff like that. But like, I guess like the bottom line is that like it sorts stuff out. It gets my head straight for me. But yeah. I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be like, I want to do this, but I, can't, I just can't go like the mental barrier to actually getting in there. A lot of people will say, oh, I wish I could do that when they see people doing those big compound movements like big deadlift squats, bench press everyone's like that looks awesome I would love to go into a gym and chip away at that but I just feel like I cannot go to the gym I hate it but a lot of people also don't want to work out at home because they want to compartmentalize yeah. so what can we say to those yeah people? so first of all identify what it is you're scared of is it are you more scared because if you don't know what to do that other people are going to be watching you or are you more scared about the fact that because if you have any extra other internal battles about your gender or sexuality or anything else like that, that people will maybe recognize that and say that, sort of identify that first, maybe just rationally think, right, okay, what's the worst possible scenario here is that you go and someone stares a little bit too long or maybe someone might make a comment, but it's in all honesty, I remember this actually from when I first started going into the gym. So when you don't know what you're doing naturally you think the world is watching you as soon as you step into the gym and you think that everyone is just going to be like oh my god they don't know what to do what what a loser um and you feel super anxious but as soon as you're in there you realize that everyone is so self-obsessed with what they're doing but you have to step foot in there first so i think in terms of building it up rather than sort of setting your expectations too high and think you might have seen someone online that's doing like deadlifting or bench press and then you want to really get into lifting heavy weights and stuff. And if you haven't done anything like that before, just start by breaking down that first step and that first barrier by just going in and maybe doing something like on a piece of cardio kit for like 10, 15 minutes or something like that, just so that you can feel what it's like to be in the gym. As soon as you associate your brain with some level of enjoyment in there or just some level of familiarity, it'll be much easier to gradually build up to, you know, jumping on a machine, doing some exercises, and then maybe trying something in the studio. I think the, the good thing about a lot of commercial gyms is that the studios that they've set up in place, they're very aware that some people want to work out in a more private setting. So you can grab a mat, you can grab some dumbbells and a barbell, and you can do like a little workout in the corner and then no one will really see you. And you can start by gradually building that up there. And I think the best thing you can do to give yourself the best chance of having confidence and not really guessing your way through your journey is by hiring a coach. Obviously, I'm incredibly biased because I am a coach, but <laughs> no matter what level you're, you're at in life, you need a coach to get to the next level. And not maybe not everyone can afford a coach, right? So that's maybe where you, you maybe you know, look at getting an app and following some super simple workouts as like a novice or a beginner. But, you know, there's no pressure to even finish the entire workout. It could just be that if you're super scared, you might do, let's say it's got like a leg press and a seated row in there, plus some some other movements. You might just go in and do the leg press and the seated row and that's it. And then the next week, build it up from there. But I, I think as long as you take the approach of managing your expectations and just gradually build up all the time, 
you're you're going to realize very quickly that you wish you would have started sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, I really liked what you said about thinking what's the worst that can happen because well if you're going into a gym you have a hundred percent like unlimited permission to leave mm. so if we're thinking of what's the worst that could happen in a sense that like you know you don't feel like you pass gender wise or you feel like people are going to look at you i often get Every now and then I will get someone that looks me up and down depending on what I'm wearing because they'll just be like, what are you? I can't figure you out. And that's quite normal, I suppose, when it comes to more androgynous looking people. Yeah. But really what the worst thing is that can happen is going to be that, yeah, maybe someone makes a comment or looks and how prepared are you for that? And is that something you're willing to have happen when you step in there? Yeah. And if the answer is yes then like you say, I love the idea of going and like, you know, going on the treadmill or a bike for 10 minutes. And what I say to my people when they say they feel anxious is in the gym, have a look around in your rest period. If you're doing a set of something on the leg press and then you're in like a 60 second rest period, don't look at your phone, just have a look around and see how many people are watching you. And I used to do this with my clients in person as well. And I would say, is anyone watching you right now, apart from obviously me? Yeah. And they'd be like, no. And that exercise is normally the case. Like, obviously there will be some sort of alien, like 1% chance that someone is staring at you, but <laughs> the chances are everyone's just in their own world. They've got their headphones in, they're in their own program, or they're also having an internal struggle about being there in the sure. first place. But I think the other thing is getting like a dumbbell full body workout, grabbing a couple of dumbbells and taking them into a corner. That's some people's safe space. And, you know, when I was working late hours at Pure Gym, I would see people do that when there was no one in the gym and they would still do that because that was where they felt good. And yeah. that's still completely valid. And eventually you might veer out of your safe corner or you might move from machines to free weights or cardio to machines. But it's trying it in the first place and giving yourself unconditional permission to leave if it's yeah. if it's not your vibe or it's not yeah. your day. I love that. I love that. I think sometimes we just put pressure on ourselves. Like if people have seen you enter and you're like, oh, my God, right, I want to leave. You're like, but that person saw me come in and like, well, you know, I, when I was working at Puritan for that matter, like we'd have people working in sit centre where they'd do a morning session, but then like you might come in for a midday shift and someone's just popped in and out to grab a bag and they're leaving. Like, but even seeing that, you're just like, oh, they've gone already. Fair enough. Like, they might have been picking something up. Like, and it's, I think we, we naturally, we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality, especially if you've got internal battles going on. And I think that the best thing you can do, like you said, is just give yourself that unconditional permission to leave, but also just be more compassionate with building your tolerance for being in a, an environment that's unfamiliar because it's going to take some time to feel completely comfortable. Like I remember some of my early days of coaching, ladies in particular, feeling super unconfident about going into the free weights area because you know from being at Pure and sometimes you get a few lads in there at certain times and they're like, ugh, nah, nah. <laughs> and, they, and like naturally people's instinct is like that's aggressive and it's like they don't want to be around that. But actually when clients have had plans they know exactly how to do the movement and they know what to sort of feel out for in terms of muscles working and stuff like that they're so internally focused in regards to how they're performing things that before they realize it 
they've done three sets of chest press in the free weights area and there's been lads fucking curling everything out around them and they didn't even realize I'm like oh my god Rihanna did it like and, and then they messaged me going oh my god dude it happened it happened and I'm like yes <laughs> I had one of my humans like go and do their first set of barbell lifts mm. the other day. So we've done a couple of months together and we've just been nailing the basics and we're building them up to support their roller derby. And they went in and they tried like squat bench and deadlift and they filmed form videos for me. And I just couldn't have been prouder because we both know how hard that is to go in and try those big compound movements for the first yeah. time without mm. a PT with you as well, because they're an online client, yeah. and, and then film yourself doing it. And then the thing that they said to me was, I was really nervous about getting the form videos, but now I know how important they are. I don't care anymore. And I think I kind of got to that place with being there. And I'm like, I know how valuable this is, and I know how much this does for me. So I don't care anymore. And me building that internal battle up about getting my head kicked in because I'm trans in pure gym. Did I ever get my head kicked in? No. Um, what was the worst thing that ever happened there when I was on a night shift? I honestly can't even think because yeah. it was fine. But we do really build all these things up like, oh, what if I leave and I've only been there two minutes? Like what you were saying. And really, we've just got to dip a toe in see you know see what the vibe is see what flavor it is and it's like okay cool well I'll go back again and keep coming back but I do think it's really easy to be like oh well what if something happens and if you really don't feel like ready for that mentally or emotionally then absolutely fair play yeah. but if you're considering it I would definitely say giving it a go is that small step and obviously if you can afford to let for like someone to like give you an intro PT session and it's yeah. someone that you feel comfortable working with because I know a lot of the time a lot of people don't feel great about asking or like having induction sessions based on you know people being accepting of accessibility needs or like their gender and stuff like that so I know it is hard but just exposing yourself bit by bit and being like mentally prepared and just having a look around yeah sure. the very words exposure and repetition are going to be the things that carry you through being familiar and building that internal confidence to just go in and then eventually your timeline will flash and before you know it you'll be three months down and you'll be like oh my god I can't believe three months ago like I was petrified of walking into the gym but you just need that constant exposure and that repetition for your body to build that tolerance and build that well, that love for it really and I think like you just said there like the little details matter in terms of when you first start I remember details like not knowing how to change the height of a bench an adjustable yeah. bench little details like that like if you get flustered trying to change that sort of stuff it brings out that like that sort of um, insecurity that you've already got so just totally. having someone go through the basics of how to change the machine settings for your body and the benches and stuff like that, it's going to take away so much anxiety. So even if you do want to do an introduction, but you don't want someone to coach you, you can be like, can you just show me how to change the settings on the machines so that when I come in, I know how to do that. And, and that could be like a, a step towards some people, you know, just breaking down that barrier even more as well. Yeah. The one thing that I love about fitness is that now you can, because of the amount of knowledge that we have, there's so much that you can do to help you live your best life outside the four walls of the gym. It's not just about looking like you're about to step on stage on Olympia. And 
for anyone that's listening in terms of, you know, getting in contact with coaches or working with a coach, the goal should always be defined around what you want to achieve as a human being, not what said coach is trying to push on you. You're tailoring their plans based on what they want to achieve. And it's quite a liberating thing. And when I think hopefully people don't experience being with a coach where something that they don't want is being pushed on them, um, because you'll you'll just feel it quite soon. You're like, but I don't want to do a fatness phase. <laughs> you sign up with a coach, and they're like, "Cool, so we're just going to put you in a calorie deficit." Red flag, red flag. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah sure. With no with no other warning. Yeah, um, grab your and run. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah, that was Rianne Francis. I've put everything you need to know about her and where to find it in the show notes. I'll speak to you lot later in the week with a solo episode. And then the week after that, I've got Beth Robinson for you, who is an incredible plus-size athlete. She has had quite a journey. We have a lot of things in common and we are soon becoming fast friends on the internet. So I'm absolutely buzzing for you to hear that one. Hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Cultivate family. Take it easy. I'm out.